0: Dr. Poppy Moon. I'm an author, an illustrator, and professor of counseling at the University of West Alabama. Join me as I give tips, techniques, and insights into the world of counseling. Alright guys, hey, I'm ready to start. My name is Dr. Poppy Moon. Woohoo! Yay! And uh, I am a professor at the University of West Alabama. Uh, I am in charge of clinical experiences for school counselors, but I have made this that will work um, for school counselors or for community mental health counselors. The situations are the same. Alright, so let's get started. Our first story is about Cinderella. So we all know about how great it was. She found the prince and and it was just a lovely time. Unfortunately, they had to go to marriage counseling. Okay, they made it for like about a month and then things weren't working out and she's like, we need to seek counseling. So they've been in counseling with the fairy counselor for about three months now. But during one of the sessions, the prince has a big announcement. Darling, I want a divorce. (laughs) Oh, no, what are we going to do about this? So the prince, because he's got a lot of money, he goes and lawyers up, right? And so he has his big, expensive lawyer come down to the counselor's office. And he's like, you better give me a copy of your notes right now. If you don't give me a copy of the notes right now, because my prince has information for it, I will subpoena you, and I will send you to jail. And so as a counselor, if that happened to us, we'd be like, uh, what am I supposed to do? Okay, because that would be a really um, that would be a bad a bad situation. So, what you would do is don't don't give your notes over immediately. Okay, if there any, if something like this ever happens, there's a subpoena or whatever, you have the right to get legal counsel before you do that. So always make sure that you have legal counsel. Now there are some issues about having your records. Okay. So we're ethically mandated to keep records on anybody that we're working with. So if there is a court-ordered disclosure, you're supposed to work with all the people that are involved before you can give that information up. And as always, you want to give the smallest amount of information that you possibly can. And I'll talk about how I do notes in a little bit. So what, what would you do? What are you going to do? So you need to talk with the prince and ask him if he will come sign a, rele- a release of information. And you'll also need to talk to Cinderella and have her sign a release of information. But maybe she doesn't want that. Maybe she doesn't want people to hear her private information. So she doesn't have to sign it. She has the right to wait and then get her own counsel and decide if she's going to sign it or not. So at that point, you will be able to move forward in giving the court or the lawyers or whoever wants them. But you want to make sure that she knows about it. Because sometimes, guys, you've got a wealthy gentleman and he's got some other plans he might be throwing that at her and she doesn't know it. She doesn't know that there's a subpoena. So always, always, when something like this happens, you want to talk with your colleagues, you want to get advice and, see, and figure out what you're going to do. Now there's also an element of power in this. Okay, So the prince is coming in there and he's acting. He's got all this money, he's got this big lawyer, so he's like powered up. So it makes him feel kind of scary to the counselor and it probably also makes him feel very scary to Cinderella as well. So you're going to also need to talk with them and see Maybe Cinderella has said some stuff in therapy that he could use against her in court. Maybe he could use that to get the kids or something like that. And she's not ready for that to get out. Then you're also going to work again with her legal counsel and find out what they say. And then at that point, you can decide if you're going to release the information or not. All right, next up is little Bo Peep. You may remember her. She is a, a shepherdess. She's got a lot of problems with the sheep. She can't find them most of the time. Um, they're in a field somewhere, and then she goes and she looks and they're not there. And this is very, very stressful for her, okay? So she's got, she's coming to see you about this problem. She's very anxious, and she's stressing. She's like, where are my sheep? I don't know where they are. And where can I find them? And so she's starting to get this anxiety disorder, and it, she's coming to talk to you about the, the anxiety disorder. And she's also super depressed, okay? The problem is, Bo Peep, as a shepherdess, she doesn't have a whole lot of money. And so she asks the counselor, hey, would it be okay if I gave you some sheep for counseling services? So she wants to barter with it and see what, what she can do. So in the ACA Code of Ethics, there actually is a section that talks about bartering. And you can barter anything that um, goods, services, or other non-monetary remun- remunerations from the client in returns for psychological services. And it's a good thing because sometimes you have people in a community who couldn't also purchase counseling. They wouldn't have enough money to do counseling. But then we run into a problem, okay? So if we start bartering with a client, we don't want to exploit them and we don't want to cause them any harm. So um, if you're in a community and a lot of the counselors will accept bartering in the community, then this might be okay. But this is something that you're going to want to look into. You're going to want to talk to her and say, hey, let's put this in writing. When bartering, you're going to need to watch out for the following things. Write out the details of the specifications of what's going to be in the agreement. You also want to talk about the quality and the quantity of the goods that she's going to give you. And so how many sheep are equal to one counseling session, especially if you're a really good counselor? And then how does the quality of the sheep, how are you guys going to define that? And uh, is an old sheep worth more than a younger sheep? So you see we've got a lot of problems that they're having to look at. So, once they do barter the sheep, now we have some other issues, okay? If she barters, them i doing the counseling, and I get the sheep, can I sell the sheep after she gives them to me? Um, can I use them to cultivate wool, can I kill them and eat them, can I keep them as pets, but what if I don't have accommodations for the sheep? So that's going to cause an issue for me. Other considerations is, is this going to harm Bo Peep? Because she, you know, is in there for an anxiety disorder, she can't find her sheep, so then if she gives you the sheep, is that going to cause her to have even more problems, okay? So what if, though, I'm working with her, and I realize that she has a personality disorder? So at the time we started to barter, she wasn't really mentally capable of making that kind of decision, okay? So once again, uh, if I was doing that, I'd feel kind of uneasy, and I'd want to check with my colleagues and see what they have to say. Next up, our good friends Hansel and Gretel. If you remember, they were the children who got lost in the woods. Lady had a candy house and invited them in. All right. The thing that we're going to be dealing with with these guys is the FERPA. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, but this has to do with schools. And it's known as the Buckley Amendment. It was signed into law by President Ford and protects the educational records of students. Now, this applies to all schools that get federal funding from the government. But if it's a private school or a charter school and they don't get funding, then this is not applicable to them. I said that. That worked out good. So it also gives the guardians the right to see all of the information that the school has on their child. So this is counseling notes, this is uh, discipline records, this is any notes that a teacher has ever made on them. Um, Let's say that they get the records and they're looking at them and they're like, oh, this isn't how it happened. They have the right to ask for correction for the record. And if the people um, also want their lawyer to look at the records, they can do that as long as the kids are under 18. So let's say, though, that I go to school and the school is kind of upset and they don't want to deal with me or whatever. The parent has the right to put it in writing that they want these records and the school has to do this within 45 days. And if the parent cannot come to the school for some reason, the school will will have to make photocopies of that and send it to them, okay? But the school may charge them for the photocopies and for the mailing. So let's say, what's the problem? Okay, Hansel and Gretel's parents are really worried because the witch is trying to locate the children. She wants to see where they are. And she's a very sneaky witch. And this school happens to have a student directory. And they also have a website. And it has a special showcase each week where it shows the student, if they have positive behavior. That's on there, you can look at that. And there's a local paper that also covers events. So if you want the spelling bee or whatever, your kid could be in the paper. So, Every year, at the beginning of the school year, the school has to notify parents that there is a student directory and they are going to be sharing information in this way. So why might this be a problem to them? Anyone? The witch is looking. What? It could be custody issues, right? So maybe the witch, though, she's looking for them. So maybe she sees them in the paper and she's like, yes, I've got it. Now I can go get those children. So parents have the right to tell the school, no, we don't want our kids in there. And so no picture can be. So a lot of times as a school counselor, I like to take pictures of kids for fun and show what we're doing. So that kid would always need to be pulled out. And a lot of times they don't tell teachers who's being pulled out. So at the beginning of the year as a school counselor, it's a good idea to check this and make sure that you know who those kids are. All right, so the witch has been so terrible that she's caused these children PTSD. And the kids have come to the school counselor and they've talked about their PTSD and the parents are like, nah, this is kind of bad, we're going to seek outside help. And the parents want the school records that the counselor has taken, they want to share that with the outside therapist. Can they do that? Yes, if they have a release, they will have to sign a consent release, and you can send the notes over there. Now, I don't want any of my school notes to cause problems, okay? I don't want to get in deep with them. I don't want to do anything. Like if anyone asks for my counseling notes, I'm like, sure, here they are. So this is what one of my notes would look like. I met with Hansel due to a self-referral. Student states he is having nightmares about a scary woman. He states the woman wears black, has a large nose with a wart, and tries to lure him into her house with tryslers. So what I did with the kid is we talked about several techniques to help calm him down if he wakes up from a nightmare, and I'm going to check in. Uh, he's going to check in with me next week to see if the techniques were helpful. Okay, that's it. I don't care if anyone looks at that. It, it's it's totally good. So don't go like into. And I always write mine in third person. You know, like the his, mm-hmm. his student is working. And if you say that I'm looking at him and I think that. He uh, appears angry. Can I say the student appears angry? OK, I can say he seemed angry. Isn't that right, Nisha? He seemed angry. He appeared angry. He, or he appeared upset. But don't put the student was angry, the student was upset, because you don't know for sure. OK, so that's how you want to take your notes on something like that. Next up, we have our good friend Rapunzel, lady that lives in the castle. Things are going well for her, okay? I've been working with her as a client. She is progressing in her, in her therapy sessions. She feels empowered, and she's feeling in control of her life choices, finally. So she's going to have a dinner party at her tower, and she wants to invite me. Can I go? I don't know, maybe, maybe not. Let's see. All right, so the main problem is, she, the invitation is starting to, to come on boundaries, the counselor-client boundaries that we're looking at. And also, in the ACA Code of Ethics, it says that if you're going to have a relationship with a client, that you have to maintain professional boundaries. All right, so basically that's what I told you right there. And you also need to say, if I did this, if I went to that place, would I be causing my client harm? So here are the considerations that I'm going to look at. Um, I'm going to document that she asked me, and I'm going to include Rapunzel in the process of that. And then I'm gonna ask her, how do you want to introduce me to the guests, right? Does she want her guests to know that she's in counseling? So she can say to me, I'm just gonna say, This is my friend Dr. Moon. I'm glad that she was able to come. Okay? And if I'm sitting at a table, and I'm chatting with all these people, and um, you know, something <coughs> comes up about therapy or whatever, I'll just be like, She's a friend of mine. I'm glad that she invited me to the tower to hang out with me. Okay. Also, I wanna think: if I come and see her, is that gonna be harmful? Is that a harmful consequence? And I also, when I'm in therapy with her, I want to talk about potential scenarios and the outcomes, okay? What if someone says something to me? What if someone thinks that that I have been the counselor and they specifically say, oh, Dr. Moon, aren't you doing counseling with Rapunzel? And I'm like, oh, I need to talk about that. I don't know. All right. So we need to talk about if this is going to cause an impact on the clinical relationship. Um, If I don't go, am I going to hurt her feelings? You know, is that going to be really bad for her? And... uh, Is the invitation, does it have the potential to further foster an existing connection? Okay, so I need to check out those things. Next up, our friend, the little mermaid. You may remember the little mermaid. Uh, What's going on with her right now, she's 15, and she has saved a gentleman from a shipwreck. And she wants to be with this gentleman, and she wants to be on land with him. But she can't survive on land because she's not a mer person. Okay, so that's the problem. So she would like the therapist to turn her tail into legs. That's what she likes. So she goes and sees the sea witch, okay? And the sea witch provides counseling services in a sea cave. She's also uh, is in an MLM marketing scheme that sells potions and essential oils that can turn a tail into legs. All right. So she's happy about that, and, but but she'll give you a discount on the product. Okay. So that's a good thing. It'll work out like that. All right. So the problem is when you run into things with a minor is the minor has the inability to give voluntary consent, okay? And a sense is different than informed consent. They're two different things. So sharing information with the minor, you want to explain to her what services are going to happen. When you and I talk, this is what we're going to talk about. This is what we're going to do with your therapy, okay? I'm also going to talk about the nature of the process, and I'm going to talk about the counselor's role and what information is <laughs> going to be shared. All right. I also want to talk to her about her autonomy. Dad's going to be paying for therapy, okay? So really, Dad gets all the information that he wants. But I'll be sitting down with Dad and her. And, and if I said, oh, you know, every time that we meet, I'm going to tell your dad everything that we talked about. Is she going to want to come and see me for therapy? She's not going to want to, okay? So um, what I want to do is kind of work with that person to see um, how that's going to kind of work out together. So like, I'll tell the father, I promise you if it's something that you absolutely need to know that I'll have that for you. And then that way I can have trust with both the client and I'm also going to be able to have trust with the, um, with the girl. Okay, so I said that to you. Oh. Right. so here we have the sea king. Okay, I've got to deal with dad, right? Um, and he is 100% against the relationship that they're going to have together. He's like, no, I don't want her marrying this gentleman. This is not what it's going to work out for. But um, he's okay with her going to therapy. He's like, that's okay. I can work that. Um, And he does have the right, like I said, to see all of the stuff on his daughter's treatment. But he's going to work with me so that that is something that doesn't happen. Um, Like I said before, if you are going to share information and confidentiality on something like that, you want to talk to the parent on a need-to-know basis so that everyone trusts the counselor. All right, so she's selling potions and she's selling essential oils. Um, okay, this is, this is funny. I thought this was funny. Okay, so I can sell the person if I have, like, a workbook or something that we're working together on. I can share that with the client, okay? But if I have essential oils or things that turn your legs into, um, into fins, I can't sell that, okay? I can't, I can't do that. I can't because it would be like a power differential again. I'd be working with somebody else. Okay. Oh, let me go back. Um, I said that power differential. Okay, don't sell unnecessary parts. All right, our next friend that we have is Little Red Riding Hood, and Little Red Riding Hood meets up with the teen wolf. Uh, she calls him Wolfie, and they go to her grandfather's hu- or her grandmother's house after school in order to hook up. Okay, the problem is is that Red is 13 and Wolfie is 17. All right, and she says that Wolfie may have videotaped the entire hookup. Okay, And guess what? After the session, she's going to go see him, and uh, they're going to have another hookup. Right? So as a counselor, I've got to worry about a little things. The first one is I'm thinking she's a minor, and she's involved in unsafe um, behavior. And then the ethical and legal issues I have to think about um, is this confidentiality. Do I have to tell my mandated reporter? Do I have to talk about child abuse? Also, I've got to figure out what does hooking up mean? Is that just, you know, hanging out, watching TV, or is that, I don't know. So that's what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask her. Um, So I need to be knowledgeable about the state laws. Here in Alabama, the age of consent is 16. So if Wolfie was 17 and she was 16 and they're hanging out together, that's going to be a problem. And as a mandated reporter, I'm going to have to talk about that, okay? But otherwise, if they were the same age, it's, it's going to be, if they were both 17, or would it be 16? they were both 16. Yes, Yes, both 16. Okay. And then I have to think about is this sexual assault on a minor? So I talked about that. Talked about that. Okay. Also, if he's been taping them hooking up, it might qualify under the creation of state law as pornography. So we need to look at that too. And I need to talk about, okay, she's going to meet with him after the session. What are they going to talk about? And, um, Can I let her leave my office and go somewhere and be safe? Okay? So, those are different things that we want to talk about with her. If I have to report, since her parents are paying for therapy with me, I'm required to kind of report to them. And since we've kind of negotiated this thing at the beginning and I've told them, hey, you know, I have, um, I promise I'll tell you when things are not going well, then I will have a responsibility at that time to do so. Now, whenever I have talked to a kid about stuff like this, and I think, did that. It's so hard for me when I make PowerPoint slides and then I know what I'm going to say and then I just kind of go over them. Okay, okay. Here we go. If I have to disclose to the parent, I always want to say to the kid, the reason that I'm talking about this is because I want to help you and support you. Okay, help and support. I also use this if, like, say that I'm in a school setting and I have a pregnant teenager uh, I'm going to have to talk to her parents about that. But I also say I'm going to do this with you because I want to help you and I want to support you. And then I will give her the opportunity of how I'm going to disclose this to her legal guardian. Does she want me to sit in with a legal guardian and and help her tell them, you know, with me facilitating? Do they want to, um, does she want me to call them on the phone and she sits there with me while we talk about it? I'm going to let them have as much autonomy as possible on how they're going to share this. And then I'm going to be there to help and support. So you guys can write that down because I came up with that myself, help and support, (laughs) because it works out really well. Okay. All right, so now we have our friends, the three bears. Oh, no. Baby Bear has just turned 18. He's going to college, and he went to UWA, where Dr. Worthington and I happen to work. It's crazy. Uh, But this guy, oh, he's crazy, right? He's out partying. His grades are slipping. And uh, Mama Bear is a lawnmower. So I know you've heard about helicopter parents, but Lawnmower is somebody who just mows through everything that gets in the way. Okay, so she's she's the Lawnmower. So I'm teaching Baby Bear, and she sends me an email. It says, "Mrs. Moon." Okay, right there, right there, I'm mad because you know the hat, right?
1: So if you ever, I mean, like all of us that
0: teach, we're just like, no. Okay. So she says, "I'm Mama Bear, and I'm Baby Bear's mother." Baby Bear brought home an essay you assigned at the beginning of the semester. You gave him a D. I talked with Baby Bear and he says the reason he didn't do well was because he did not understand the assignment. He told me that you were never in your office when he tried to talk, about, uh, talk with you about his grade. He said he has sent you several emails and you didn't respond. Please advise Mama Bear. I hate please advise. I always grind my team playing please advise. Do I respond to her? Why do I not respond to her? Because he's 18, and when a kid becomes 18, FERPA changes. Okay? Now the parents don't have the rights to the academic record anymore. Okay? She's, boy, she's steamed. She doesn't know this yet. So, yes, exactly. Yes. So, um, so next what happens? Next day, I haven't responded. She's hot about it. She emails me, Mrs. Moon. Okay. I am Baby Bear's mother. I contacted you yesterday about Baby Bear's grade. You have not emailed me back. Is this how that you treat the stu- your student's parents? It's obvious to me that you do not care about my child. Baby Bear is very upset about his grade. He told me he's trying very hard, and I want you to give him an extra credit assignment so he can pass your funds. I think he deserves beat. Mama Bear. Do I respond to her? I do not. But I keep all of this stuff in a file folder, because Mama Bears always like, try to come at you. So um, always keep this together. Uh Uh-oh, next day, Mrs. Moon, once again. Um, This is Baby Bear's mother. Is this how you treat parents who pay big money for their children to attend your school? I have contacted you twice about my son's grade on a paper. My son is inconsolable. When he was in high school, I never had a problem getting teachers to respond. In fact, they gave him a 50% on all his assignments, even if he didn't do them. And I don't know if you guys know this, but in a lot of schools, you get a 50% so they can make it up later if they want to. Okay. Okay. I am livid that you have not contacted me. I'm contacting the dean's office and lodge a formal complaint about you. I will tell them what a terrible professor you are and that you do not care about your students. I'm willing to call the president of the university to get, your, get you fired. Do I respond? No. OK. So um, once again, here comes FERPA. And it doesn't matter if they're paying you big money. It's baby It goes to Baby Bear. Okay, And this protects all different kinds of things. So, all his academic progress reports, his grade reports, if there's stuff going on in his dorm life, that's another one. Any type of student activities, if he has disciplinary action taken against him, sorry, Mama Bear, she's not going to get to know about any of that. It also protects, um, okay. okay, and this is private information and it can't be shared without Baby Bear's consent. So he decides who gets to see it. So say Mama Bear is livid and she wants him to show, you know, tell her what's going on. He can say, no, I'm not going to do that. And then she won't be able to get records, no matter who she calls, no matter what. But he can say, like, if he wanted a lawyer to look at it or his grandmother to look at it, he has the right to be able to choose what he wants to do. All right, Snow White. Did you guys see my costume? My mom made this to me. When I was an elementary school counselor, we got to dress up. And my mom likes to sew, so she sewed me this. And it's been in the the closet probably for, like, ten years now. So I was like, you guys can see it and enjoy it. (laughs) All right, our friend Snow White. Here's the situation, okay? I'm seeing the evil queen. And uh, she's Snow White's new stepmother. And she feels that she needs to be the fairest in the land at all costs. So what she's done is hired a mercenary to kill Snow White. And the mercenary was not successful, so now she's going to take charge and she's going to deal with this. Now Snow White has been missing for several days, and the counselor is concerned for her welfare. I'm worried about her. What's going on? So here are some of the main problems that are facing me. Um, there's possible harm to a third party, and that's going to be Snow White. So now I have a duty to warn. Maybe I have a duty to warn. Okay? Uh, a counselor is required to give out information and protect people from unforeseeable harm. And now there's a Dr. Um, Union Warren is goes under the Teresoff case. Everybody heard about the Teresoff case before, okay? And I'll tell you if you don't know. Um, you also want to know your legal requirements by state for doing something like that, and you also need to consult with your colleagues to determine if disclosure is necessary. So this is the Teresoff case. When was it? In the 70s? It was. In the, I think it was 1974 when it happened. So there was this guy, and he. Um, he went out a few times with this girl named Titania Tarasov, okay? And she was just like, mm, I don't think we're cool about that. I don't want to date you anymore. He's seeing the therapist that's on campus, okay? So he tells the therapist, you know, I might want to kill her. I'm tired of her. I'm stab her or whatever. Okay, and so she got kind of nervous about that after this guy left. And so she calls her supervisor in the university health center. And she says, this is kind of weird. He's saying threatful things. What am I supposed to do? So they went and they called the university police. And so the university police, they go down and they talk to this guy. Okay, and he's like, oh no, the therapist had it wrong. I was just joking about it. It wasn't really what was going on. So then what happened, okay? He really was serious about this. And he goes and he finds Titania and he stabs her like some ungodly amount of time. And then her parents get upset because they're like, hey, the therapist knew, the person that was higher up knew, and also the university police knew. And nobody called us, and nobody contacted us. So that is, uh, they sued for negligence, and that was, um, and that was their problem. So it's, uh, and now it's in the ACA, a serious and foreseeable harm and legal requirement.